Father, we are so grateful today for Jesus, the one who, by his wounds, we are healed. We're grateful today that our Savior, Jesus, is risen and that he truly completed the work in which was promised to redeem us, to recreate us, and to make us new. So, Lord, I pray you'd use me in these moments as I speak, as I preach, or that you'd anoint my lips for your task at hand today. Lord, we love you. We desire for you to speak truth into our hearts. Would you do, through, do so through your word now? I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you will, if you have a Bible, and we'll be in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, and uh, there's a Bible in the seat ahead of you, underneath it. If you don't have one, we'd love for you to take that home with you as our gift to you today. And then also, um, it'll be on the screens if you want to follow that way. Um, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Now, I don't know um, if you have, before we read the text, I, I don't know if you've, you've ever had this. As a dad, this came to greater reality in my life. There's this thing that my children have said to me a few times. They've said, but dad, you promised. Have you ever, anybody ever heard that? Have you ever said that to your parents? It's this moment, it's like, but you promised. And then what do I do? I'm like, well, but you don't understand. Like, this happened. And I try to, like, go, anybody, am I alone in this? Anybody ever done this? So, okay. And so, but, but all of us share in, in, the, in the place where we, we know how it feels to be let down, right? Don't look at the person next to you, right? We know how it feels to be let down. And we also know how it feels to let someone else down. And those emotions are both very, very strong. When we're genuinely let down, there is heartache that happens in our life. And when we let someone else down, hopefully, if you have a heart at all, and you, there is a feeling of, man, I really wish I wouldn't have let them down. See, I believe that the great news of Easter, of the resurrection, of what we celebrate today is we have a God who will never let us down. That when God makes a promise, he always comes through. That he never fails, that he never, he never, he, he, he never deceives. What he says, he does. What he promises, he comes through on. It might not be exactly when or how we like it, but he always fulfills his promises. But on a grand scale of thing, at the right time, when he said that he would do what he would do, he came through. And this Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate that our God came through. And what he promised, he kept. So over the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Restored. And this is our Easter series here. And, and Restored, and there's kind of three main motions today, the last. The first, we, we studied that we, we are saved, right? That, that we can be today, we can know that our, our sin like, that, that entangles us, that we struggle with, that binds us in life, that, that our sin can be gone, that Jesus paid for it on the cross, and in a relationship with him, not only is your sin paid for, but it's washed away and gone. Great news. 
Not only is this kind of this past event that, or present event that he could do in your life today, but there's also this other thing that he is doing, that each and every one of us in this room are entangled with sin and struggle. And in this entanglement of sin and struggle through the gospel, he is freeing us in him to live lives that look more like him, that we are being saved by the power of the gospel from the power of sin today, that we might bring God glory right now with our lives. And then the third great truth, which we're going to study this morning, is that he will, that one day we will be saved completely from the presence of sin, completely, for the eternal joy of our Father through our King, Jesus. So let's read 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an unfading, to a to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who got, by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to re- be revealed in the last time. In this passage, we're going to see three things, verse 3, 4, and 5. The first we see in verse 3 is that we will be saved by the power of the gospel. And so we see that, that we will be saved by the power of the gospel. And how this works is through the gospel, we bless. And we we understand that what God has done, it says in the text, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed, blessed. Now, I don't know, does anybody pray at meals? That's kind of a thing we do. I think I do it, one, I want to honor God, and two, because I'm afraid that, like, something bad will happen to me if I don't. Anybody else there? Like, my mom told me things when I was a kid that, like, created, like, I need to pray before I eat. And so when we pray, we, 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 we give a blessing, right? And that blessing, we, it goes like this. Dear Lord, please bless this food to our bodies, right? right? Or God, thank you for providing this food. Please bless it to our bodies. And so there's kind of a two-way blessing that we got going here. So the first is we're saying, thank you for giving us food. We recognize your provision. And please turn these hot wings into carrot sticks, right? Like that's, <laughs> like that's what we're praying. Like, like somehow make this possibly good for this, right? That's what we do when we pray that prayer. And so there's this, we bless you and now bless us, right? That, that's how we do that. But what this text is saying is, bless God. Bless, bless the Father God, right? Bless God. So this is his prayer. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is really what blessed, kind of in essence, what it means is, is, is to honor, to revere his name. It's simply, it's like, thank him. Thank, thank God, the Father. Now, now, when we read those words, the God and Father, we, we, God, and these are kind of attributes who he is. He is holy God. He is Father. And these are the attributes of God we really love, right? This, the attribute that, that God is our Father. Now, I don't know where you are with your dad. Maybe you had a great dad. Maybe your dad has been tough in your life. And how we see our fathers on earth do affect how we see our Father in heaven. But I will tell you this about our Father God. He loves you. He loves you in a way that you could never even, my dad, I believe he's a great dad. He pales in comparison to the love of my father in heaven. 
In my Father in heaven, I am secure, I am safe, I am loved, I am cherished. I love thinking about my Father God and who he is toward me. And I think everybody does. I don't think there's really anyone in the world that would say, I don't like those feelings of being cherished by the one who made me. I don't like feeling secure. I, I don't think anybody would say that. But see, where, where we kind of get twisted or where people get uncomfortable is it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, when Jesus enters the scene, things change. See, God the Father, the one who loves us and cherishes us, and it's kind of all about us, and now there's this moment where Jesus Christ enters God coming in the flesh, walking on earth. When Jesus enters the scene, there's this other thing that is revealed about who we are, that we are not righteous, no, not one, that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and because of that, there is one that had to come to pay the penalty for our sin. So in this room, bad news this Easter Sunday for you, if you haven't come to this conclusion, but you are not good. You never have been, and you never will be in and of your own effort. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Only through Jesus can we be made right with God. Saying Jesus will say it himself, nobody comes to the Father except through me. He'll say, we'll see that Jesus, this is who he is. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the incarnate God, God in flesh, walking around amongst us. So blessed be, thankful to him, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see through the gospel, we bless because of what Jesus has done. We want to bless God. We want to, we want to worship him and honor him. And through the gospel, we have hope. It says, according to his great mercy, again, Jesus, the great mercy of God is fully displayed through the person of Jesus Christ. He has caused us to be born again. Now, I don't know if you've heard that language before, but being born again basically works like this. This is how the Bible teaches it. So everyone in this room, I believe, um, except for uh, the baby that's over there in my wife's belly, Right? Like, we have been born once, like, into this world, right? And it's really born and living and moving around and got feet and elbows coming out of her belly right now, right? <laughs> but, but we've all been born once. And there is a reality that if we are not born again, we will die. Now, everyone in this room is going to die. So we're going to be born and we're going to die. Everybody agree with that? Amen. Okay. Can't do that forever. As much as that face cream is going to make you look young, you're still going to die, right? Like, that's still happening. And so, so we, everyone's born and everyone dies. But what the scripture says is that if you are born again, you will die once. If you are not born again, you will die twice. And so how this works is if you are not born again, you will face judgment. And the penalty of your sins will be laid upon you and the wrath and judgment of God will come on you because you didn't recognize, you didn't bow down to the one who paid the penalty for you, Jesus Christ. And so then you will get your due judgment and in that you will die again and be separated from God forever in eternal punishment and pain. But if you are born again, you will die once and you will immediately go into the presence of the Savior to worship him and enjoy him forever. So basic principle is this. You're born once, you die twice. You're born twice, you die once. 
And this is what the scripture teaches about new birth in Jesus Christ, being a new creation. And so according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, born twice, die once, to a living hope, not a feeling, but a person, a living hope. We do not celebrate this morning a dead savior, a dead icon. We celebrate this morning a resurrected savior who is alive and well and at work in this world. And so we have a a living hope, not a feeling, a person named Jesus. And through the resurrection, it says, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I said earlier today, the grave could not handle him. Death could not hold him. Jesus got up because he was God. He is God. He defeated death so that one day we will. So how this works is like this. Way back in the beginning, God created each and every one of us. God created Adam and Eve to walk in his intended ways. And Adam and Eve, just as you and I, rebelled against God. They said, God, your word is not true. We believe there is pleasure and there is an enjoyment and there is life to be found outside of you and outside your will, and they rebelled against God. Now, they were tempted by Satan, but at the end of the day, it was their choice. They made it, and now we all own it. And in their rebellion, sin entered into this world. And the immediacy of sin, the effects of it, you know it as well as I know it. The effects of sin were shame. Have you ever felt ashamed? Fear. Ever been afraid? And guilt. There were these three emotions that Adam and Eve hadn't seen. And immediately when they sinned against God, shame, fear, and guilt enter into their life. Read it in Genesis 3. And then God immediately, immediately gives this promise. And he says, I'm going to send someone. And he is going to crush the serpent's head, but he will bruise his heel. On Friday night, we talked about the bruising of the heel. See, when God makes a promise, he fulfills his promises. And long before Jesus stepped onto this earth, God promised that he would come. And God would pay the penalty, that he would have a remedy for our sin and for our struggle. And he sent his son. And Jesus was born of a virgin. He walked a perfect life. There was none like him, never has been, never will be. He was not born of the seed of man, but the seed of God. Jesus was different, unique, one of a kind. He was the perfect lamb of God. And Jesus was arrested in the garden. And his heel began to be bruised. He was beaten His flesh ripped from his back. He was scourged. He was flogged. A crown of thorns placed upon his head. His head beaten with the thorns on it, piercing his brow. He was mocked and he was spit on. He took the judgment and the wrath that was ours. Not only was Jesus spit on and mocked and beaten, But Jesus took that cross that he would hang on that was prophesied way long before. And he began to march up that hill. Now, I just imagine Caiaphas and Pilate and all the crowd and all the soldiers walking with Jesus. And they're thinking, we got him. This madman's going to shut up and he's not going to say anything anymore. And we're going to stop this nonsense. And people are going to do things the way we want them to. We're going to get power. We're going to get control again. And when they thought they had Jesus, every step in great agony and pain, Jesus was walking. And they thought they had him, but he's like, I'm on a mission. 
I'm on a mission, and by dying on the cross, I'm going to redeem Mike McCartney. And I'm going to redeem Kinsley Johnston. And I'm going to redeem Kurt Snyder. And I'm going to redeem. And he was walking up that hill knowing that by his death, that we would be healed in an agony. Just as he felt in the garden, oh, Father, let this cup pass. He knew the agony that was coming. And he said, not my will, but yours be done. And on that cross, Jesus was nailed and he hung and he died. His side was pierced. His body was broken for our sins. They took him down off that cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb because he wouldn't need it very long. And they put him in that tomb and for three days he lay. But on the third day, because he was God, because he was Jesus, that stone was rolled away. Jesus got up and walked and he defeated death. And just so you know, Lazarus, and there's others that got up and walked, See, they died again. Jesus, he didn't die again. He got up and he walked and he taught and he showed his nail-scarred hands and he showed the, the scars in his feet and the scars on his back and they knew this is Jesus, the resurrected son of God. He's got up and he's walked. No one's ever done this. What has happened? And not only did he get up and walk, but he commissioned his church. And he said, now go and make disciples. And he ascended on high. He sat down at the right hand of God because this work was finished and it is over. There's no more priests. There's no more bulls and goats and pigeons. Pigeons is a part of that thing if you haven't read that. And so uh, there's all these different, there's no more blood. There's no more, the sacrifice is over. I am the high priest. I am the true prophet. I am the true king. Now follow me. See, it's not the end yet. It's not the full story. Because, see, he's coming again, and he's going to take us to himself, and in his return, he's going to come in the most glorious sight ever because there is no one else worthy. And just hear this word. There's, we we kind of live in the society of equality that everybody's worthy of something. Just so you know, not everybody's equal of everything. Not everybody's worthy of everything. And there is no one else worthy to open the scroll. There is no one else worthy to be worshipped for all eternity and eternity. There is no one else worthy. And when he returns and when he comes back, he's going to make a new heaven. He's going to make a new earth. There's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. We are going to be back at peace with the God who made us. Church, this is real. And this is what he has done for us. We will be saved by the power of the gospel. Jesus is not only the apex of everything today, he will be for all time and eternity. So just get after worship him now and living for him now because you're going to forever. And so this, this truth, see, there's a day coming when we see Jesus face and we will bless him because we have been born again in a living hope through the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We will be saved. We will be saved by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Not only will we be saved by the power of the gospel, we will be saved from the presence, from the presence of sin completely. It says in verse 4, it says in verse 4 that we will be saved to an inheritance that is that is kept in heaven for you, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we have an inheritance, 
Now, I don't know if any of you have gotten an inheritance. I just like get the idea of maybe getting an inheritance one day and like actually having money at some point in my life. I don't know if anybody else has ever been there. I don't want anybody to go, but I'd just like to have some money at some point, right? Like there's this, that's our idea of inheritance. Well, this is this whole other kind of inheritance that I have an inheritance in heaven that is secure. And we'll see this and this, this inheritance that is promised that it's not maybe I will get it. It is if you are in Christ Jesus, we have an inheritance, an eternal home in Christ, a future reality with present implications right now in my life. And that future reality is that it is imperishable. It can never be taken. It is undefiled. It will never spoil. It is unfading. It is time-proof. See, this, this hope that we have in Jesus, this inheritance that we have in him because of his resurrection is something that can be, again, untouched by death, unstained by evil, unimpaired by time. That Jesus, our hope in him, is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And so we know this because God works for us on his terms, and his terms for our inheritance are, are far better than our terms for our inheritance. We have a future reality with him in heaven that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, death-proof, sin-proof, and time-proof. And see, not only does he work on his own terms, God works on his own timeline. See, this is kept in heaven for you, guarded and reserved for us, that if you are in Christ Jesus today, you have hope, you have hope of eternity with him forever that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. See, the challenge, though, of this is that we often misplace our hope. We look to our left and to our right, and we look to those around us, and we place our hope in people that cannot come through. We place our hope in our children, in our spouses, in our parents, We place our hope in our marriages, in our community. Some of us place our hope in our government. Like, you know, we we place our hope in things that cannot come through for us. See, there's there's this hope that we have in heaven, this inheritance that we have in heaven. There's this person that died for us on the cross in which our hope is found, who rose from the dead, and we need to stop placing our hope and placing pressures on all these things around us that will fail us. Because see, none of these things are death-proof. None of them are sin-proof. None of them are time-proof. But he is, and his promises always come through. See, we will be saved from the presence of sin one day in heaven, but until then, we must never forget that we or no one else can bring us the hope that only Christ can, risen and exalted. He is the only one that has earned the right and is worthy to place all of our hope in. And by doing that, that one day, he will save us from the presence of sin completely. And third and last, verse 5 we see that we will be saved for the eternal joy in the presence of Jesus. We will be saved for eternal joy in the presence of Jesus. Verse 5 reads, so it says at the end of verse 4, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Through Jesus, we see that we have eternal joy who by God's power are being guarded. Us, we are being guarded through faith. Now again, the object of our faith, we talked about this a few weeks ago, the object of our faith is where we place our hope and trust. So I put this ring on years ago. 
right? I can't get it off, but I have it on. I thought I lost it this week doing mulch. I didn't. Okay. And so this ring, um, I stood face to face on a stage in a sanctuary, and I made a commitment. And there was a commitment made to me. And in that commitment, there was this promise back and forth. And there was this confidence placed in one another. And I, Debbie Johnston was the object of faith. I believed what she said was true. And the commitment she made to me, she became the object of faith for me. I began to place my faith that she would fulfill what she said she would do and reciprocated the same. See, in the same way with Jesus, we make this commitment and we make this promise as though we're wed together. We make this promise and we make this promise of placing our faith and hope. See, the object of our faith, it's the point of faith. It's not how much faith you can muster up. It's not the point of faith. The, the, the point of faith is the person you're placing faith in, will they come through or not? And I'll tell you this, your husband and your wife, they may not come through for you. Your job and your boss, they may not come through for you, although you might place their faith. But I'm telling you this today, that if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, he will come through for you. He never fails. He never lets you down. That we are being guarded through faith, the object of our faith. We are being guarded through faith in Jesus Christ, right? We are being guarded in faith through Jesus Christ. And then through Jesus, we see that we have his peace and his presence for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. For a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. See, there's a salvation, if you are in Jesus, that has already occurred in your life. You came to a place in your life where you recognized, I have sinned against a holy God and deserve death and judgment. And because of my sin... I am now going to repent. God, I have sinned against you and I'm going to turn and I'm going to turn toward you and now I'm placing my faith. You are now the object of my faith and I'm going to live for you all my days. You, in that moment, you were saved. You were, you were clean. Your debts were gone. They were paid full and full by Jesus Christ. Now, because of what he's done, we begin to responsively live. I can't believe you've done this for me. And now I desire to worship you and honor you and glorify you with my life. And see, there's this kind of other end of it now that we look at of restoration. That in Jesus, I am restored initially. In Jesus, I am being restored in this world as I walk. And one day... And one day I will be free from this body of sin. One day I will be in heaven with him. He has prepared for me through faith, the object of this, he has prepared for me a a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. See, the finish line of our faith, it is not uh, praying a prayer in a church service. The finish line of our faith isn't going to an Easter service. The finish line of our faith, the finish line of our faith is living faithfully for him. And one day when we see him face to face, he will say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. When we see him face to face in the last time, we'll have been faithful to the one we love. So, so, so to say it like this, we will be saved one day through the power of the gospel from the presence of sin completely for eternal joy in the presence of Jesus. So I'd say to you today, God has kept his promises. 
what he promised at the beginning, he fulfilled through the person of Jesus. Jesus died the perfect death. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is exalted and seated on high. Will you today, maybe if you have believed, place greater confidence in him? Will you commit today that I am going to worship him? I'm going to trust him. I'm going to surrender to him with my life. And I desire to experience his joy and his peace in my life and in the life to come. But I'd ask this morning, simply, have you been born again? If you have, might today encourage you to worship him more and to live more diligently for him as you live your life this week and in the weeks to come. But if you have not, I would implore you to say, Jesus, I recognize that I have sinned against you and I need salvation. I need forgiveness. I need to be made new. Would you do that in my life? Wherever you find yourself this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, I believe that these are great times in our life, whether you're in the faith or whether today you come to the faith, is to reset, to refocus, and to make sure that the one who loved us, the one who died for us, we live our lives for him because he is worthy of it. If you will, let's bow together. Father, we love you and we believe that we have a salvation in you that is unfading. Lord, we believe today that we have a salvation in you that is imperishable, that is undefiled. Lord, we believe that through your gospel we are we are being saved. That one day, because of what you have done, we will be made right. And so, Lord, wherever you find each of us today, would you help us to begin to move forward in our faith? Lord, for the one who has never given their life to you, Lord, I pray today you give them the strength to confess before you that they have sinned. Confess before you that they have rebelled. Confess before you they have missed the mark of living the holy life that you made them to be. And Lord, I pray today you'd give them the strength to turn in repentance, that you would pour forgiveness over their lives and you would make them new. And for those that have believed, Lord, I pray that you would embolden us for your great purpose because we have nothing to lose but everything to gain for you and your glory. Father, be with us as we sing. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand, we're going to sing a song, maybe the greatest Christian song ever written. It's called Amazing Grace. If you've not experienced God's amazing grace, maybe today as we sing this song, you'll give your life to him. Maybe today there's other business that God has revealed that you need to come down to the altars and pray. But today, might we sing to him and might we respond well to his word.